Hey everyone, Will Ryerson here. Um, before this episode starts, I wanted to quickly apologize for the delay on this one. I was more ambitious and things ended up taking a bit longer. As I continue this journey of producing Adam and the Alchemist, I'm realizing just how unpredictable production times can be. Adam and the Alchemist is a project that I'm passionate about, and I don't want to sacrifice the quality of an episode just to meet a deadline. To help rectify this, you can now find a production blog over at www.willryerson.com forward slash Adam and the Alchemist, which I'll be updating weekly with what's happening with the project. That way, if there are delays, you'll know about them and why they're happening. With that out of the way, I hope you enjoy episode three. This is side A of cassette two of Adam and the Alchemist. Chapter three. Afternoon sunlight bathed the throne room in a golden glow and cast muted shades of pink and green through the stained glass windows that lined the walls. A rich blue carpet ran across the stone floor leading to a throne of purple crystal. Overhead, candles burned in silver chandeliers and tapestries of days gone by flanked the imposing chair. In front of the throne, a group of people bickered in hushed tones. Each wore a suit that depicted the best of their region, a suit of mushrooms for the governor of the Mushroom Bluffs, an outfit lined with gemstones for the governor from the Catsback Mountains. Her Majesty, the Queen of Starlight. A tall, beautiful woman entered, her circlet-adorned head almost brushing the top of the eight-foot-tall door as she scanned the group of kneeling governors. Good day to you all. You may rise. Your Majesty, allow me to say... In a moment, Sapria. Yes, Your Majesty. Now I am sure you are wondering why I have called this meeting of the governors. As I am sure you are all aware, last week there was a significant disturbance felt all across the land of twilight. A large storm formation was seen from the city of Dam Dam over the Skullcap Crags. It was accompanied by a loud sound, not unlike a horn, and a continent-wide earthquake. I'll say! I was on the balcony of my villa and nearly fell off. Uh, <laughs> apologies, Your Majesty. As I was saying, I've brought you here today as our respectable head of the Royal Research Guild, Redmond Fleetwand, says that he and one of his researchers, Altor Damon, have some relevant information to share regarding this event. Now, where are they? Attendant, where are Redmond and Altor? They've just arrived, Your Majesty. Send them in. Two men walked into the room. The first, a rotund gentleman, wore a navy pinstripe suit with a gold monocle and black beard. The other was a thin, wiry fellow in a dark green suit. He walked with precision, his eyes flitting around the room. Apologies for our tardiness, your majesty. Guild business, you understand. Forgiven, Redmond. Now then, shall we begin? 
What information have you regarding the events of last week? Ah, uh, well, uh, yes, firstly, we have determined that the event was distinctly magical in nature. Uh, magic levels continent-wide have yet to fall back to pre-quake levels. And what action is being taken in response to these findings? Uh, we've sent a team of researchers into the Skullcap Craigs to see if they can determine the exact cause. However, we already have some theories. Theories? Uh, well, Mom, judging by the unnatural nature of the event, uh, the event's similarity to the magical response seen during rituals and surrounding circumstances, we believe the cause of the earthquake could have been a portal. <gasps> uh, a portal? Uh, but a portal large enough to have caused an earthquake like that would have to be... Immense. <laughs> and almost certainly unnatural in nature. Unnatural? Do you mean to say that someone opened it? Aye, that is our working hypothesis, ma'am. Uh, we also have some additional information to share. Althor, why don't you begin? Oh, uh, me. Um, <laughs> well, uh, you, you, you see... Um, Go on. Uh, I, uh, as I'm sure most of you know, I am quite involved in deciphering the, the history of Twiss and the Twisphere at large, and I have personally made several discoveries in the last few years that have advanced our historical and ontological knowledge considerably. For which we commend you. Uh, well, you see, my research hasn't been limited to our dimension alone. Finish your thought, Altor. I... Uh, well, uh, uh... I've been investigating ways to travel between dimensions. <laughs> Altor Damon, are you saying that you are the reason behind these events? Never mind, Altor. I'll finish. No, he isn't strictly speaking responsible. What he's trying to say, Mum, is that up until recently, he'd been working on a device that would allow the user to explore dimensions other than our own. Not travel. Uh, too dangerous. <laughs> yes, Althor. I'm just getting to that. Uh, this device. It allows the user to see other dimensions, but not travel. Uh, in a sense, Mr. Osterbunt. But it's more intricate than that. What we created is far more than a simple divining mirror. I greenlit the program. Quite ingenious, really. I've brought along a facsimile to show you all. Yeah, let's just... yeah. There we are. Uh, a book. And why wasn't I informed about this program, Redmond? Uh, well, Your Majesty, as head of the RRG, I am well within my rights to... You are within your rights only so far as I say you are. I... It... Yes, Your Majesty. It won't happen again. And how, pray tell, does this book function? Uh, uh, allow me to explain. Uh, keep in mind that this is only a replica. Non-functioning, you understand. The Twimension Project. Is that the title? The working title, yes. Redmond turned a page, revealing a chaotic scribble that was contained within an intricate square border. <laughs> uh, this book has been in development for the past year, and it's involved extensive collaboration between multiple research guild departments. One simply touches the marking, time on your end freezes, 
and the duplicate of yourself appears in your dimension of choice. When twilight expires, your duplicate disappears, and you pop back to where you came from as if nothing happened. Any injuries you sustain or objects you brought with you disappear along with your duplicate, and you return as you were when you touched the page. Fascinating. And where is the real book now? That's the difficult part. Have you heard of Cedric Oswald, Your Majesty? Mm, no. I'm not familiar with the name. Ah, he's better known nowadays as uh, Balthazar Wifflebottom. Oh, him. Brilliant man. What a bit eccentric. That's putting it lightly, ma'am. Uh, he wasn't involved in the Toy Mention project, but as a member of the guild, he did have access to the book, and a couple of days before the event, he disappeared, and the book along with them. We haven't seen either of them since, and it stands the reason that if a portal was opened, he would have been the one to do it. A, a member of our own research guild? It beggars belief! Why would he do something like this? We don't know, Mom. Altor, I thought the book didn't allow physical travel. How could he have opened a portal with it? Indeed! Teleportation is nearly impossible. Never mind portals! Oh, well, it's just, it's just that the... the uh... As I mentioned before, Mom, the book on its own only allows the duplicate method that I described. However, it isn't impossible that someone could, through the use of a ritual, open a portal using it. The side effects of such a ritual are unknown, however. Balthazar, as you know, is an alchemist first and foremost, and is untrained in ritualistics. Any ritual he concocted would be, shall we say, imprecise. But, but that, that would mean that the portal, if it is a portal, could only be closed through the use of the same ritual. Aye, the same ritual in reverse. Unfortunately for us, we don't know what that ritual was. If Balthazar did use the book to open the portal, then he's the only one who can reverse the damage. God! Your Majesty! Inform the Chief of the Iron Gauntlet that there is an order for the arrest of Balthazar Wifflebottom alive, please. Yes, Your Majesty. Oh, but Your Majesty, we haven't put this to a vote. This is an emergency, Quixum. If it is a portal, what's on the other side? My mother would have recognized our situation for the emergency that it is, and I'm not going to allow our government's bureaucratic shortcomings to get in the way of what needs to be done. Not now. Not at a time like this. I must agree with Representative Gifhorn, Your Highness. This is highly irregular. The situation is highly irregular. But, but Your Majesty... The air in the room seemed to thicken. Redmond tugged at his collar. It was as if he were standing at a high altitude, breathing thin air. He glanced over at Sapria. She seemed paralyzed. He glanced at the Queen. A shadow had fallen over her face. If you truly wish to question my judgment on this matter, I suggest you do so out of striking distance. Yes, Your Majesty. A moment passed. The air seemed to clear, and the room breathed easier. Now then, let me be clear. 
I want Wifflebottom found within the next week. Any longer, and I'm putting it down to incompetence. You all have jobs. Please do them. This meeting is over. And Redmond? Ah, uh, yes, Mom. You said you had sent out a group of researchers to investigate, correct? Uh, correct, Mom. If it is a portal, I want to know what's on the other side. The branch under Adam's feet swayed in the wind, and he smiled. The ground felt like it was miles below him, and he could see over the roof of the rec center to the road beyond. Adam, slow down! Jesse Wilcock was clinging to the tree several branches below Adam, his eyes locked on the trunk. Uh, come on, Jesse. You've got this. You're almost there. Uh, couldn't we have started with a smaller tree? Uh, where's the fun in that? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, fun. Here, just, just go the same way I went. Uh, see that branch? You step there, then reach up and pull yourself up here. Right, but... I don't know. Come on. Jesse grimaced, but did as he was instructed. He stepped onto the branch that Adam had indicated, making sure to keep one hand on the trunk. Okay, perfect. Uh, now you reach your hands up to this branch. Uh, I'm not as tall as you. Uh, I can't reach it. Oh, that doesn't matter. You just have to jump and grab it. Uh, 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 jump? Uh, yeah. You, you grab right here, and then pull yourself up. Easy peasy. But, but Adam, it, it's a long fall. Uh, don't be a chicken, Jesse. Look, I'll grab you. Just grab the dumb branch. Jesse swallowed. He took a deep breath and stepped further out uh, on the branch. Okay. He wobbled, uh, then steadied himself. Just go already. Uh, uh, all right, here I go. He's not going to make it. He's not going to make it. Gotcha. Uh, the branch. Step there. What the heck was that, Jesse? You could have killed yourself. So, uh, so, so, sorry, Adam. <clears throat> Let's go. I don't think you should be up here. You're a... You're a really good climber. I didn't realize it was so hard. Just go. Why is Jesse such a pushover? I mean, it's not like I made him climb the stupid tree. He, he should have said something earlier. <clears throat> Next time, we do a smaller tree. Yeah. Okay. Adam gave Jesse a hard look. His blonde hair was a tousled mess with leaves and twigs sticking out like he was some sort of bird person. His green dinosaur t-shirt was stained with sweat and tree sap, and his blue sneakers were scuffed with dirt. He looked horrible. Hey, uh, want ice cream? Whoa, really? Sure. My dad gave me some money so we can stop by the stand. Come on. The playground was a brand new installation that had been set up only last year to replace the rusted, wobbly one that had been the result of more potential lawsuits than fun times, and the paint on the jungle gym gleamed. Uh, so, Adam, what's the plan with our science project? You haven't said anything since last week. 
Uh, you heard the chemistry lab was canceled, right? Wait, what? Canceled? Yeah. Tell me about it. I guess the people running it had to go away or something? I don't know. Bottom line, we don't have their help anymore. Well, I mean, that sucks. Uh, yeah. Um, what about your setup at home? I mean, your dad got you a pretty sweet chemistry kit for your birthday, right? It looked pretty sweet. I mean, it's alright, I guess. I don't know, I just feel like we're... We're missing the brains for something <laughs> awesome. <laughs> missing brains? What do you mean? You've got brains, Adam. You're, like, practically a genius. <laughs> right. Uh... Ooh, what if we did a volcano? Uh, okay, no. No volcanoes. They're overdone. I want to do something that'll actually impress people. Um, okay. Well, we could always... Adam? What's wrong? Cody Dreyfus and a couple of his friends were sitting under a tree in front of the ice cream stand, eating popsicles. Adam glanced down at Jesse, then back at Cody. He grit his teeth. Uh, see that guy over there? Cody Dreyfus. Just... just ignore him. He's a loser. Uh, you mean the guy in the boots? <laughs> he looks deadly. Uh, yeah, nah. Just, just annoying. Mm. Hey guys, <laughs> nice tree climbing. Uh, thanks Cody, we've been practicing. Oh, right, yeah, <laughs> practicing. Uh, you almost got your little buddy killed, Callahan. Wait, I did, <laughs> did not. Uh, excuse me? <laughs> what do you mean, did not? Like, we saw it. He almost became a human pancake. The two kids sitting either side of Cody, a boy and a girl, glanced at each other. Come on, Adam, do something. What's Jesse gonna think? Uh, uh, hey, get up. Oh, yeah? Or what? I said, get up. <clears throat> Did you just kick me? Come on, get up, chicken. Cody, get off him! Get on my level, Callahan. As Cody's friends hauled him away from the playground, Adam just lay there, every muscle ready for a fight that wasn't happening. I hate him. I hate him. Adam, are you alright? Yeah, I'm fine. Oh, jeez, your eye. Adam touched his face and winced. His right eye had already begun to swell, and he was sure it'd be bruising shortly. He glanced around the playground, but nobody seemed to have noticed the altercation. Cody and his friends were nowhere in sight. Uh, it, it's fine. I'm okay. Uh, that was insane! You freaking kicked that guy like it was nothing! Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I guess so. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know you were so tough! Jesse's eyes shone with admiration. <laughs> uh, here. Go get yourself something. I think I'm done for today. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Um, you should get some ice on that. Hey, maybe the guy at the ice cream stand nah, will- it, it's okay. I'll get something at home. I'll see you later, Jesse. Uh, <laughs> alright. Thanks, Adam. See you later. Adam gave an over-the-shoulder wave and walked through the gate toward home. <sighs> what did Cody say? 
You almost got your little buddy killed, Callahan. <laughs> What's that even supposed to mean? I caught Jesse. Cody's insane. And then he said, get on my level, Callahan. <laughs> As if I wanted to be on your level, Cody. Not a chance. Adam walked up the winding driveway that led to his house. The whole 45-minute walk from the playground, Adam had been thinking about what Cody had said back in the park. Dad, I'm home. Dad? Hey, is that a note? Have to work late. Be back tonight. <laughs> Whew, all right. Good. Maybe I can get rid of the black eye before then. Adam climbed the steps to the kitchen, then headed to the freezer. He popped it open and grabbed an ice pack before walking down the hall and up the second flight of stairs to the third floor. <sighs> Hello, room. Hey, desk. Window. <sighs> okay. Okay, so it's just after four now, which means I've got four hours until dad's home, probably. He looked at the chemistry kit that lay scattered across his desk. I would love to see you later, son. I think it'd be great for you. <sighs> yeah, good for me. Good for me if I can somehow impress you and mom. Uh, and I don't even have the chemistry club anymore. Uh, forget chemistry. I'm going for a hike. Wait. The book. He looked to where he'd left it yesterday. The book was still safely tucked under his bed. His heart fluttered. The guy in the dream. Or coma. <laughs> Whatever it was. Didn't he say that he was an alchemist? Hang on. If, if I can get back there, maybe he can help me with my science project. I mean, alchemists are just chemists from medieval times, right? And then... Then I'll be able to impress Mom and Dad. Okay. All right, Book. You're coming with me. Forty minutes later, Adam walked out of the trees and into a small clearing that overlooked town. The cars looked like Hot Wheels, motoring around a miniaturized city. The sun was just starting to set, and he relished the warm glow that radiated down into the valley. Ah, oh, it's good to be back here. Hey, Boulder. Mind if I climb on you again? He stared at the leather cover of the book taking in the craftsmanship. Man, this thing is cool. Uh, the Twimension Project. Alpha version 1.45. Huh. I guess that's the title. The border of the page was decorated like something straight out of a medieval tome. Geometric patterns mingled with drawings of dragons, foxes, and fairies, and all manner of other creatures. The page border surrounded a box that was filled with scribbles. As he looked closer, however, he saw that the scribbles weren't random at all. In fact, they were incredibly ordered. Sharp, right angles were mixed with squiggles in a clearly purposeful manner, and the more he looked, the more he wondered how long it must have taken to finish. 
Huh. Okay, that's weird. All the other boxes are blacked out. Oh, my eye. Uh, okay. So, first one is Twimension number 0001. And the next page is Twimension number 0021. But it's blacked out. I wonder. What if I... He reached out and touched the blacked-out square, but nothing happened. Well, um, that doesn't work. Okay, so maybe the first page. Yesterday, when I touched the squiggles, what happened to me? I, I mean, it's worth a shot, right, Boulder? He glanced over his shoulder at the forest trail behind him. He peered into the trees, trying to see if there was anyone coming. The only movement was from the gentle wind that rustled through the branches. Well, here goes nothing. It worked. It really worked. He wasn't sitting on the boulder anymore. He was lying on a sofa. You've reached the end of cassette number two, side A. Please flip the cassette over to side B to continue the adventure. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Adam and the Alchemist. If you did, please consider leaving a review. It helps more people find the podcast and lets me know I'm doing something right. If you think I deserve it, you can also buy me a green tea at the link in the description. Adam and the Alchemist is written, edited, performed, and produced by me, Will Ryerson. Proofreading by Ann Hulsell. Royalty-free music by Kevin McLeod. Sound effects by Zapsplat. Other sound effects by the talented people at freesound.org. Individual credits in the description. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you stick around for the next one. <laughs>